This is a stand-up New York Labs production, providing you decent podcasts since 2013. This is the voice of your choice, Ali Muhammad, and as you can see, Damian Lemon is not in the building tonight. He is recording the last episodes of the next season of Comedy Knockout tonight, and he'll be out next week as well, so, you know, plan for that, you know, plan to be back here kicking more knowledge with the voice of your choice. But tonight, we have a guest, you know what I mean, a special guest, a cultural architect, you know what I'm saying? Somebody who has set up some of the things that you've known from culture and put it into motion. And you might not know his name, but you know his work. In the building tonight, we have my man Chris Latimer. All right. Glad to be here, man. No doubt. No Great doubt. Great opportunity. I didn't know you had such a beautiful studio. Oh, man. You know, it's nothing but class. Nothing, nothing class. but class. <laughs> it's all good. Celebrate the upness. Oh, man. Not too much upness, man. <laughs> uh, you know, we don't want no downness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well uh, you, no. I agree with that. No doubt. So, you know, for those, you know, out there, you know, we have a lot of young listeners. Cool. So, you know, we wanna we wanna bring you into the fold and let them know who you are. You know what I'm saying, so they can understand where we going when in the conversation once we get going. Wow. So you really on the upness, huh? Nah. This, this is this is regular right now. This is <laughs> like this, all right. This is Reggie Reg. So Reggie <laughs> Reg. Huh? So, um, wow. Who am I? I don't even know how to approach nah, that. No, I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? You, like, you, 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 you start so many places. Right. But I, will, I would like to say this is this how I came to know who you are. And you know what I'm saying? You probably did stuff before, and you definitely have done stuff after. Cool. You know what I'm saying? Right now, he's the, the owner of the um, African American College Alliance oh, yes, sir. clothing brand. Which you know, what I'm saying people from you know the '90s and the, from the from my era, they know as the college brands with the you know what they call it, the Frankenstein stitch, Frankenstein stitching, that, and the positive patch is what they used to call it. You know what I'm saying? And, on the left sleeve, and everybody was wearing it. You right. Know? So if you everybody see, in hip, you see Pac and Biggie with the Morehouse joint. You know what I'm saying? Snoop was wearing it. Everybody had it. You everybody. Know? Wore so it was. That time and era. Only only thing that everybody had that y'all didn't have was the tie up, the string up hat <laughs> <laughs> that they wore with it. Right. You know who you know who used to wear that to death? Um Lisa Left Eye. She used to wear that hat to death. Lisa Tretch. God had bless it. the dead. Yeah. And you know Tretch. Tretch had it. Tretch had it. <laughs> Tretch had it. So, man. So I'm from White Plains, New York. I'm a nine one four guy. Nine one four. What up? What up? What Yo. up? So um, wow. Grew up in White Plains in the suburbs, but it wasn't really the suburbs. We kind of had hoods all over our city. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I grew up on Lexington Avenue, which was, you know, it wasn't really, I can't say words like notorious because we was like a family, mm-hmm. but we was like a family of um, barracudas if you came <laughs> through the area and we ain't really know who you were. You wasn't operating in our in our wavelength. Um, man, uh, Seventh grade, wild out, 
got sent away to uh, South Anderson, South Carolina. Spent a year down there. Uh, was a little too much for my grandmother. Thrown out of there. Not really thrown out, but uh, <laughs> my sunt, uncle. My sunt uncle, back. <laughs> right. My uncle took me out to California. Um, lived a year out there. Um, and then, you know, when they felt that I was right, you know, a great Christian household out there, I came back to New York. Right. And everything I did, Christian-wise out there, perished <laughs> in, my, in my sophomore year of high school. And I just, you know, met, found girls, basketball, and throwing parties. Right. Now, so, so to speed it up. No, right. no, no, but but what I was getting to, no, I'm not to cut you off. All right. But what I was what I was saying, we're gonna we're gonna speed it up and bring it back. Where I know him from, when I first got to New York, you know what I'm saying, I knew him as the guy who created Cancun. Right, right. And and Cancun it was a cultural it was a cultural movement and such that to from where I'm looking at it, I'm I don't speak for the world, but where I was looking at it, it was the first time you had a party that people had to go out of the country, well wanted to go out of the country and kick it like that, as far as in the black urban right. community. No question. You know what I'm saying? It was the first time that happened. Like no now question. you got everybody's passport stamping and all that now. But back then that was the first one. And it set off uh it set in motion a whole, uh, you know, a lot of things in play that. Oh, no question. You know, what I'm saying that we know today, but back then, you know, what I'm saying that was an amazing feat because oh, no, it's like, oh shit, that. y'all went where to who do what? Yeah, you know, what I'm saying because all we knew was go to Atlanta for Freak Nate, go to Daytona, right? You know, what I'm saying go to Myrtle Beach, right? So, so how that kind of came into fruition was in my city of White Plains. You know, my mom was. Um, a single parent, so I grew up in all the little clusters within our city, you know, mm -hmm. that were kind of segregated. But I always would bring people together because I know the cats over here on Ferris Avenue, cats at DCAT, whatever. Right. So that led me to being a promoter. So, you know, I promoted, um, this is when, you know, this is the crack era. So right. money was everywhere, uh, not good money. And uh, everybody wanted to have a good time every minute, every second. Right. So it was kind of an opportunity to bring people together, and I started, you know, throwing events and parties, and then that momentum eventually took me down to Howard, where you know I threw a, started off DJing down there at first, mm -hmm. but I wasn't a good good DJ of all kinds of music. I was really a househead, so I was real right. nice there <laughs> and nice on the old school R and B, but I wasn't scratching and all the rest of that. Right. So then eventually I just was like, yo, listen, let me just keep it one hundred fifty percent and just keep promoting and throwing parties. And we throw parties at everybody's homecoming. And mm -hmm. um, then then Puffy came down to Howard. I was there for about a year or, or maybe a semester or two. And he came down and he was a dancer, right? So him and his crew used to dance at my parties. Right. So, you know, form the circle, get busy, <laughs> all that, you know. But, um, you know, and then I just kind of... I seen that as kind of a business opportunity. I mean, I'm at Howard, I'm in the school of B, I'm doing marketing, but I just really seen the party thing as a real business opportunity because, you know, if you think about a, a young college cat going to a party and spending $10, like, you know, he's being cheap to spend $10, right? right. Like, you know, 10, five, 10, right? And arguing and beefing about spending it. Right. But if you can get 2,000 of them to come out and you still in college, 
that's twenty k a night. You know, yeah, so rich. right, college, right. exactly, <laughs> exactly. No more robbing the um, the Chef Boy RD Mills at Seven uh, Eleven. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Life changes. So I just kind of took that motif, and that's what I kind of ran with. Um, and then a lot of a story that a lot of people don't know is I was one of the first cats in the music industry that left Howard. You know, so a lot of people didn't know that. I only did it for about like nine months. Right. And ironically, I worked for Craig Coleman, who's now the chairman right. of Atlantic, Atlantic. or whatever. Right. But he used to have a small label called Big Beat Records. Right. Um, didn't really like that motif. So you left Howard to work at a record label. So I left Howard, and that summer was shopping my boy's demo and lucked up to uh, meet a young version of a mogul in the music industry, Craig Coleman, who wanted to give me a job and not really sign my boy. Right. And I was like, I can't work for you if you don't sign my boy. So he did both. And my boy never really put out a record, but oh, he wow. did both. Right. And I did about nine months there because I didn't really feel all the lying and the BS and you know, cats having their dreams just shitted on. I can curse on this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just I shit. curse all the time. Yeah, all right, my bad. You know, <laughs> so I wasn't really feeling the energy. You know what I'm saying? So right. I just kind of was like, you know, this is whack, and let me keep it rocking in the promotional world. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you leave the label, right? Big B Records, and you going back into promoting, but now you're in New York. Yeah, so you're not in, not at Howard. Not at Howard. Left Howard, came to work at Big Beat Records. Um, it's funny. I think about it now. Like Puffy and D Dot mm -hmm. used to call me like every two days. Like, yo, how you get a job in the music industry? Yo, da -da -da -da. Right. you know. And it's funny because I didn't make no you know pilgrimage to work at a record label. Right. It just kind of fell in my lap. But when I was in there, you know, this is what these guys aspired to do. Right. You know, and they was fam. So I give them. You know, I mean, my famous last words to Puff was like, yo. Come back to home this summer and get an internship and kiss enough ass and suck enough dick so your ass ain't got to go back to school. Real talk. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's basically what the fuck it was. I mean, right. that's <laughs> what it was, right? You know, because that's what the game was about. You know, it was like if you were the threat to the, to the owner of the label or the VPs at the label, but you were the manageable threat, if you were the threat and their guy, right. you had a spot. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you were just the whack dude, you was just going to be the intern, and then after the summer was over, they're going to yes. be like, get the hell out of yeah, here. But out. if you was a threat mm -hmm. who, you know, if you look at the the whole image of that and the thought of that threat, think about what Puff was, what he did at Uptown, how he left, how he thought he had nothing, but he had everything, and Clive right. put the gasoline in him, Right. and the rest is history. You know, one of our billionaires. No doubt. Now- you're here. You're promoting New York City. New York City. What was your What was your first party? So I used to do a party on uh, January first. It was New Year's Day, mm -hmm. and it was like kind of like a sorority fraternity kind of black college get together. Mm -hmm. And I used to do it at the tunnel, and I did it at Four uh, um, D's. Was it the Besides? But I forget what the the name of the club back then. So we used to do this every year, and uh, it's crazy. So I don't know if you're familiar with the City College incident. With, with Puff. <clears throat> well, the, we ain't going to say with the, who, but yeah, the yeah, City and, College, and, and, and the you know. Yeah. Right. It was mm -hmm. the people. It right. wasn't Puff. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Um, 
And um, so that happened, right? So I'm in White Plains. This know. happened, that was one of your first events? No, no, that wasn't oh, my oh, event. You, you like, I'm, oh. I'm doing the tunnel, I'm doing right. all that, I'm doing the college but, but thing. But that happened. That's what I'm rocking with. Okay. Right, right, right. I'm doing other parties, I'm traveling. You know, I was the first one to throw a party at Essence Music Festival mm. ever outside of outside that. Outside promoter. Right. Did it with Jalen Rose, uh, Chris Webber, um, um, Malik Yoba. He was popping. DJ man. Chase. Yeah, New York <laughs> Undercover was on fire. He was the first interest. 3,000 people, 3,000 people, and uh, tried to beat it in the head of uh, the organizers of Essence. Like, yo, listen, man, like, I get this concert thing, mm -hmm. but this event thing is everything. Like, you should be locking this down now. Right. You know, this is in the 90s. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So, anyway, it's, uh, I forget what, what year it was. So, I'm sitting in my crib in uh, Greenberg, New York, with my girlfriend watching TV, getting ready to go down to this college basketball game. You know, I knew I had the juice, so I was getting in no matter what. Right. And then the news break, you know, just news break, you know, da da da, da you know, incident, city college, whatever, whatever. Right. So I'm sitting there on the edge of the bed. Now, mind you, my every penny of my last $10,000 was in a <laughs> deposit at the Tunnel Nightclub right. in New York, uh -huh. right? This is the Peter Gation tunnel, right? Right, the mm -hmm. real official tunnel. You know, eye patch, Peter Gation, legendary, right? right. So uh, the incident happened, and then the city put a lockdown on hip hop. Mm. So I went to Peter Gation and tried to get my money back, and it was no. It was just like no, like almost like a, you know, what are you gonna do to Peter Gation though? Right, you're gonna take me to court. You know what I'm saying? I'm young. You know, I got the club, so it's some happy, give them 10 grand, walk out with a contract, right. probably don't know where it's at, in the car, the house, you know what I'm saying, that type of situation. So long story short, I'm out of bread. Uh, so, and then you couldn't do the party? No, well, what happened was I met these two other cats that were like some young Jewish mafia cats, and they opened, they owned a big club, and um, I told them the numbers that I did, and they were like, well... Who gives a sh you know, why not? Let them have it. It's the first, you know, who, who's coming out on the first? Right. So no bread. They give me the venue. We work out a good deal. Um, and it starts snowing crazy that, <laughs> <laughs> that night. I mean, like storming snowing that, that night. So the crazy thing is I'm scared, right? We're in the club. You know what I mean? These guys was big time Jew Mafia, and I'm in the club, and I'm gonna say their name because one of the brothers just appeared in the news a few about a year or two ago <laughs> in an incident. So I'm at the club, and I'm like, "Yo, this is gonna be crazy." My people are there. We all looking at each other. It's like nine o'clock, ten o'clock, dude. There's a line going one way around the club, wrapping around Fifty Fifth Street. Line going the other way, and the and the line with and everybody was back to back. Wow! So the line went all the way around and lapped each other. Right. So so you know, I mean, I know I threw a great party, and I know my previous party at the tunnel was crazy. Right. But this one here, I think it was really nuts because they put a block out on hip hop. Right. For like three weeks. So nobody had nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. But you know, when you're young and not thinking about that. Right. You getting your energy off, you know, back then it you wasn't even it wasn't even not no cell phones out like that. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, so you right. getting your energy off after you walk around the streets like, yo, 
you know, but the, yeah, but so the party was crazy. We made mad bread. They gave me like a residency there, had like a nightly <laughs> joint, and it just kind of, kind of changed everything. And that's that's where you started. And that's where I really, really got on fire in in promotions in the states. Wow. So you said the states. So this is, but you're still in, in the city at this point. Well, once I got pop, once so here's the thing with the states, right? Uh-huh. If you popping in New York, it's on fire. You on fire. Okay. Right? So what, what made you what made you think to take it from New York to other places? Cuz you might be popping in New York and just be like, "Okay, I'm popping in New York." You know what? I think a lot of cocky motherfuckers like take what they do in New York and feel like they can go barnstorm all over the country. Right. I've always been respectful of every regional's you know, their whole culture and how they get down. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And, and you know, sometimes you might have to slow yourself down to how they party in South Carolina mm-hmm. or take yourself up to how they party in New Orleans. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Or, you know, have to embrace and understand how crazy they dance in Chicago. Like, they just, you know, it was crazy. They would dance all night. Never seen nothing like it, right? right. And I was kind of always a proponent of all these different places because I just really love the music and the culture. So... You know, I'd go into a city and I wouldn't be all New York on them like, yo, we're going to do this joint. You know what I'm saying? We're going to make all this money. And you know what? You got that DJ? Yo, he's whack. Right. I'd go out there and like experience other DJs and start messing with, you know, some of these cats that ended up being some of the greats. Right. And then once you see you could rock in other cities, then you just rock, you know? So you took it from New York. You, you, you went and rocked in other cities. Do you remember the first party you... It ventured out with and what city that was? Wow. Uh, <laughs> funny. Funny, funny, funny. <laughs> so me and my man Lou Tucker went to uh and he was a he was at Uptown Records in the marketing department. And I think something might have happened. I think he was kind of there, but kind of doing promo or something and kind of switched his gig to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So he went to Jack the Rapper. I think it was 92. Wow. Yes. I was there. So we were at Jack the Rapper. and um, <laughs> I was definitely there. I had, um, I had, I had, after I left Big Beat, I had one job, uh, Towers Perrin Benefits Consulting Firm, mm-hmm. and worked there for a little while. Lost that job. And but I was getting unemployment, so that allowed me to live in Atlanta off a New York unemployment check. Right. And we started a production company called NMD, mm-hmm. No Money Down. <laughs> and we used to go in Atlanta and and talk the club owners. Uh, tell I mean we had real relationships. Right. But you know we're gonna get our people to come down. They're gonna come and do the spot. Da, 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 da. And we found every club that was doing all right business. And we go in and we throw, you know, a dope party. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, and it's crazy too, because back then, Kasim Reed, the now the now mayor of Atlanta, was like, you know, one of our cats out there helping us bring people. Like, you know, not I, w- I wouldn't say really like street team, street team guy, but he was well, like, he you know. He had some people. Well, he was just out there working and hustling for us. He liked what we was doing. Kasim is like one of them dudes that if he feel you got that magic, Mm-hmm. Like he's gonna get up under you and study you, mm-hmm. and and he don't. He's one of them cats. That like it ain't about the money or the chicks or none of that back right. then. It was just really about the information uh-huh. and just expanding how he thought about. And, and obviously it worked because oh. he 
play parlayed that to be oh, the man. mayor of Atlanta. Right well, I ain't going to say he parlayed NMD to be the mayor. No, 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 but, but, but he parlayed but, but his mentality. That, no, that mentality, right. that, that experience of, all right, let's see how people move. No question. The brother's a great listener, and he knows how to reinterpret. And again, you know, he's cut from that cloth, too, that I just said where, like, it ain't about rolling over people because they ain't from where you're from. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's about mm-hmm. relaxing and hearing. So, yeah, so so Atlanta is where we started popping, but we was throwing parties down there because we had to eat. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, Atlanta, what year was this? 92, you it said? It might have been 90, yeah, 92. 92-ish. That's like uh, Dion had the club out there. Yeah, Dion the 21. 21. My man Emo had Frozen Paradise uh-huh. out there. That was when it was, that was Hot Atlanta era. That was definitely Hot Atlanta era. And that's era. pre, pre- Olympics 96. No question. So, yeah, that was definitely Hot Atlanta era. And, and, it, I, well, not Hot Atlanta, more like real Atlanta. So, what was well, Hot Atlanta? I'm so talking to about, me, that's, hot, they was calling to, it Hot Atlanta. To me, Hot Atlanta is when Hot Atlanta kind of started where everybody had to be at Magic City. Like, that was the start of Hot Atlanta. No, nah, that was, that was, this is like, this is like, um, Atlanta Live kind of right, but that's what they was calling it. Because I'm from Miami, right, all right. You would hear Hot Atlanta, like right. even before I ever hit Atlanta. I, I went to Atlanta the first time in '90, and they were starting. They were calling it Hot Atlanta, but you know, in Atlanta, which was different from where I was from, was that they had Atlanta Live, they had uh, Atlanta Nights, I think, before that, right. And these were all big, super big and 112. ass clubs. But one twelve wasn't was big. Joint. It was small, but right. Atlanta had these see, you big ass after, clubs. You came after, right? Like, see, Dion's was like the big club, but it was like way out, right? But downtown, it was like you know, one twelve and spots like that, which right. were like small after hour spots. And then there was all these little cherry picking spots Atlanta around Live? there. Where was that? Atlanta Live. Well, see, the Atlanta Live, you know. Is like the Atlanta Live that was next to. Um, it was a big. It joint. was it was next to one twelve. Okay. Over there by um, what's the hotel? The old Nico. Right, right. That I think is like Nico. the Lowe's now. Whatever. Right. So yeah, so yeah, so but it, it was it was around that era. Mm-hmm. So you know, it was crazy. We we me and my man we stayed at my boy's crib, my boy Emo, and um, it, it was like seven of us staying in there. B. It was like. <laughs> college but this apartment it wasn't no house right. you know what i'm saying but we were just on rotation everybody had different jobs and whatever and you know you stayed in until you just couldn't stay in the bathroom no more and you break out right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so that was that was my first experience out of town but again you know i've always thought i've always been inclusive and thought about everybody i don't think i've ever really just thrown a new york party I just thrown parties with dope DJs and just kind of made it happen. Right. So that just made it so easy for me to transition to Cancun. All right, Cancun. <laughs> okay. Now, you sitting wherever you sitting. You know what I'm saying? You thinking, I'm going to throw the biggest shit ever. Not at all. What you thinking? I'm not thinking none of that shit. So why, why, why Mexico? So here's the crazy thing. God bless the dead. My man Malik Sealy. Love to my big sister, Leah Wilcox, still at the NBA, was at the NBA back wow. then. Wow, what's up, Leah? Uh, and um, who else? I think I was with my, I think my man Mike was there, and we were having dinner. And Leah said, I'm going to 
uh, Cancun for the jazz festival. And I'm like, Cancun Jazz Festival? And she's like, yeah, you should come. It's really nice. Tell everybody at the table. You know, it's mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, ball players, whatever. I'm like, all right. That's dope. Maybe I'll look into that. Maybe that's what I'll do this Memorial Day weekend. This might have been like 94. Okay. Ironic moment. The summer, the summer, like a few days after that, I think. A few days after that. I'm sorry. It wasn't summer yet. Mm -hmm. Me and Lou Tucker, my whole life revolves around Lou Tucker. <laughs> that is my man. <laughs> we driving around uh, Westchester. He takes me to his mom's house. We sit down at the table. And uh, his mom's cooking some food for us. <clears throat> and she says to us, I don't know what y'all doing, but I went to the Cancun Jazz Festival. <laughs> and there was so many young, beautiful lawyers and doctors and these young sisters that had their life together. And I don't know why y'all up here running around chasing all these big earrings, da -da 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 -da, just giving us the business, you know? Mm -hmm. So... I think it was kind of like, you know, and his mom's passed on. She was a beautiful woman, but she always had that information for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was kind of like an all-mom moment for Lou, but it was like a sign-off moment for me because right. Leah said her thing, and then mom just made it sexy, right? right she right. just, you know, she's she trying to save us, <laughs> right? She's trying to save us, you know, but she just made it sexy. Right. And um, so now I'm, I'm feeling like going. So nobody wanted to go. So ironically, the only person that wanted to go was my cousin, who was a cadet in the police force in Oxnard, California, <laughs> my cousin Randy, and he was the only one that wanted to go down there. So we went down there, picked the wrong hotel, but um, Leah told us where to be, went down to Leah, met her, I think we were, I forget what hotel we was at, the Maya something. In the back of there is... is uh, Derek Coleman, a uh, few other NBA cats, but Derek just sticks out in my mind because I've had so much fun with my brother, Derek Coleman. Mm -hmm. So we're back there. We're chilling. It's crazy. It's nuts. So much fun. Da, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm out of the country. And I'm tripping. <laughs> Yo, I'm tripping, right? Because the biggest dynamic about this is, you know, in New York, there's a thing. When, when a club owner opens up a new club, it starts off with the Japs. I don't know if you know what the Japs are. Mm. So the Japs are the Jewish American princesses. Okay. Right? Right, right, right. So when they open up the club, that's the first market they go to. Okay. And then they work themselves to the black hip-hop market, and that's the close-down point, right? right? Okay. You know? I, I get it. By design, right. right? So there's so many different cultures between that. Right. I'm in Mexico, you know, because I'm tipping bigger, you know, the waiters is walking past the white guys. So right. I'm like, oh, it's just green down here. Right, right, right. Right? It's, you know, it's just green. Right. All they, you know, and they respect, and it wasn't like they were chasing the money. Right. It was just kind of like a, res well, you know, he cares a little bit more about me than this guy does, or there's a little bit more respect. Right. You know, and it's kind of weird. What I kind of really thought the dynamic was, you know, this is my personal experiences. I thought the real dynamic was, you know, we didn't look down at them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like, yo, you know, you That's cool, we cool. Okay, and they were cool. fun and they were good people and we had fun. So when I left up out of there, so 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 all right, so so there's one more piece to the story. And this is the big piece to the story. All right, the big piece. The big piece. So we go to Daddy O's and we're at the jazz festival and we go to Daddy O's. This is a club? Club Daddy O's. Mm -hmm. It's the the club. 
Okay. And Mex and Cancun for maybe probably a twenty year run. So we go into the club, but they playing only top forty music. So of course I've got a DJ clue tape. <laughs> a, so, a tape. Right, a tape. A cassette tape. <laughs> so I walk in, I walk in the club, whatever, whatever, you know, we buying a little champagne, doing our thing. You know, I'm with the ball players. They really buying everything. I'm buying one, they buying seven. We good. Right. So I work my way to find the manager and the manager to the owner and then walk upstairs into the DJ booth. And I get up into the DJ booth and I talk to DJ. I'm like, listen, I got some music and you got a lot of our people in here. And if we play this, it'll change everything. Right. You know, and he was kind of a jerk. He's like, oh, I got my da 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 da. And I'm like, you know, here's $20. Just give me a shot. And if it doesn't right. work, then you take the $20. I walk out. Right. We put the tape in. It started off, you know, back then, Clues tape should start off. DJ Cluminati. All that started, you rewound the tape. Everybody went nuts. Like they thought he was there. Right. I guess everybody's that drunk. <laughs> the floor just turned into something else. Everybody started partying. It was crazy. So what happened was I'd flip the tape again. I, you know, the tape would be over. It's 45 <laughs> minutes aside. I flip it over. I talk on the mic. Yeah, y'all. Yo, it's off the hook. Da, 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 da. Flip the tape over. And then boom, <laughs> rock out. And and, and and it was a party. And this is just on your jazz festival. This visit. is just me on my jazz festival thing. So when I got off the, so when I left, when I left then, when I left then, it was just a fun place for me. Right. Right? Just a fun place to go Memorial Day weekend. That was, uh, I think that might have been 93. 94, I'm going down again. Now my company's blowing up called The Streets. Mm -hmm. um, we're doing product placement for major brands, CCM hockey jerseys, Reebok. Blah, 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 How are we going to get to that? Right. So we're doing all this big placement. Company's on fire. I got a staff. A lot of my boys work for me. Cool family. Um, my GM, my right hand, God bless the dead, Dave Watkins. Um, so I'd say I'm going to take my crew down to the Jazz Fest for 94. Right. So now Puff's Bad Boy's blown up. The streets, my company's blown up. We just getting it. We complimenting each other. You know what I'm saying? We're using the same office designers, da 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 da. And who is your office designer? Uh Courtney Sloan. Yeah, she did she did vibe too. Yeah, well, yeah. Everybody she, she bit, did all of the everybody uh, bit my joint. Let's no, just no, keep I'm it just saying, I'm just she saying. was dope. She, she was she, Right. Yeah, that was yes. a moment. Like right. I, like I said, I was new to the scene and all these people were big time people. So we right. were talking about Courtney Sloan. And Chris Latimer and all these Dave Watkins even Dave, Dave Watkins, Watkins was was, no question. was big on his own no question these were all like the people that was running the shit when I got here so right continue all right so you know sidebar um, me and Courtney Sloan worked together so well like I had a vision mm -hmm. and she had a vision and I said I I didn't want to have an agency office my office I wanted my office to be an a uh, subway train ran into an agency office. Right. And whatever happened. Right. You know what I'm saying? So we had the it was beautiful. Right. Long story short, she killed the idea so crazy that we were featuring Hopper's Bazaar. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And and, and ain't no hip hop office been featuring no Hopper's Bazaar. And and to your point, she did all of the all of the urban, the big urban offices. You right. know what I'm saying? So she was designer. So when you come into the office and you get in the lobby and you see you know what right. I'm saying? You get there and you're like, oh shit, this is vibe. Or, she, oh shit, this right. is Right, she did boy. mines. She did mines. And then Kirk Burroughs came in because we were helping 
um, Puffy at the time, me and Dave was helping Puffy put the 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 structure together mm -hmm. for Bad Boy. So the right. benefits and understanding, you know, New York insurance mm -hmm. and, and unemployment and blah 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 shit. benefits all the right right. So we were consulting with with Kirk on that, and Kirk came in the office when it was done. He was like, "Oh my God, who did this?" And mm -hmm. then Puff came through, and then they hired Courtney to do Bad Boy. Wow. And then from Bad Boy, she did Vibe, and then, you know. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard that name in a minute. And, yeah. And I knew it was the same person, but. And, and I ain't even going front, like I put her on. She was a beast no, within no, no, herself. No, it was no just doubt. an honor that, you know, she rocked with me and kind of let me rock out. So we go, we go into Cancun, me and my staff. So I'm at Puff's office, and he's Y'all just going to go. Yeah, we, I'm just taking my All staff right. down there to check. Right, cool. As a reward. So I go to Puff's office, and he's like, you know, what you doing? What you doing for for Memorial Day weekend? And I'm like, uh, I'm going to Cancun to the jazz festival. He's like, you going where? I was like, I'm going to Cancun for the jazz festival. He's like, man, whatever. We going to Miami. We going to Miami 200 deep. I'm like, all right. Well, you do 200 deep. I'm going to Cancun. Right. No gas, no chaser. You right. know. And plus, one of them cats like, hold up. <laughs> you know, and this is when I'm, you know, doing his parties and we doing parties together and all that. Right. So, so it was kind of one of those moments where, you know, he's like, "Yo, word, you, you just don't even care." Mm. <laughs> so, two weeks before I leave for Cancun, Puff's assistant Leote calls me and she's like, "Puff Leote, wants, to, yes, damn. Puff wants to go to Cancun. He wants to bring two hundred people." And I'm like, "All right." You know, Cancun ain't no club. What you calling me for? Like, it ain't like I could just put a list together and y'all come on down. I'm like, yo, you got to, you know, get a travel agent. Well, Chris, you know what I mean. Can you help me? Da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, I'll plug you with my with my travel agent and, uh, and, and she'll help you out. So they made the reservations, whatever. So before we left, uh, then Malik Sealy ended up coming down as well. So before we all left, we were at some party. And we were all at the table. And then we all decided what we were going to pay for. So Puff was like, you know, I'll get the boat ride on Saturday. I'll do a dinner Saturday night. I was like, all right, I'll get Daddy-O's on Sunday. Um, and then I'll do uh, a, a like a brunch before we go to the club. Right. And then, you know, we all take our own poolside stuff. And then Malik Sealy was like, all right, well, I'm going to take Memorial Day Monday. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, you know, we're just going to do something sexy, like cook on the beach and just kind of play it off the cabanas and whatever. Right. So that was kind of the motif of our weekend. Right. So this is pre-internet, pre-any of that stuff. Right. Fam, we land in Cancun. We land. We're in the airport. Yo, so let me backtrack a second. <laughs> Give it to him. Man. No, no, no. <laughs> let me backtrack a second. So... When me and me and Puff on the party tip in the early days were notorious for, you know, what I would call finger snappers. And so a finger snapper was we'd be out somewhere like three o'clock, and Puff would be like, Let's throw a party tonight. There's <laughs> a finger snapper. Yeah. And we'd make 12 calls. And open the club, and there'd be fifteen hundred people there. <laughs> pre cell snap. phone, pre right finger snap. Just a moment, right? You know, 
And this wasn't like behind the album coming out or anything. This was just how we well, rolled. Puff, Puff had become known for being in the party and being the life of the party. Right, right. So this is like kind of what we were known for. And, you know, it was just like, yo. You know, so I was like kind of back then, you know, and this is kind of, um, you know, really before, you know, Biggie became life after death Biggie. Right. You know, I was kind of like, I knew what Puff wanted. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So when we threw the parties, I knew and I would be anal retentive about everything and the club owners and all the rest of that stuff. And then, you know, the thing took on this whole other body and then I got busy with my business. Right. You know, and then he kind of, it was kind of became the uh, Jessica Rosenblum's thing to kind of really, really, you know, his his bigger events. Jack? Not, nah, nah, nah. Jessica <laughs> wasn't a Jack? Just well, yeah, I guess Jessica was a Jap, but she was one of us. So she was I mean she was one of y'all, but she, she was, was a, also a Jap. She was a Jap African. <laughs> Jap African. Jap African, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same but, time, yeah. Jap but, nonetheless. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, but but her skill set was crazy within the whole club game. Right. She get any venue things you never think of. So anyway. Jap African. Jap African. Yeah. So then so then we um we break out and we go down. So we so 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 we known for this finger snap thing, right? Mm -hmm. So now we land in the airport and yo, the airport was so retarded. It was like seven hundred people that you knew was with us. Right. And it was like all the planes landed. You know how like the planes come in from different areas and then you come off your plane and you kind of, you know, wait for your luggage. Right. It was like one plane would come off and maybe you wait for the luggage. Then another plane would come off and then another plane would come. And it was like 700 people that is part party with us in New York mm -hmm. from all over the country here. Right. So now this is like, it, it kind of went to this like rock star moment, right? Because I'm there for the jazz festival. Right. You know what I'm saying? Really? Like, yeah, also, I mean, I'm I'm there. You know, Cancun was like a real spiritual place too. You know, mm -hmm. between the breeze and the, just the, you know, just how inviting it was, and drinks all day, and the food was good, and clubs were beautiful, and you know, the people you brought was beautiful, the people that were already down there was beautiful. This jazz festival, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. So. Yeah, I could honestly say like I wasn't down there, you know, trying to go to Bentley's. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. I was down there, <laughs> you know, trying to exhale. Right. And um, long story short, I see all these people. I'm like, oh my god. And uh, Puff had the presidential suite. I got him the presidential suite at the Ritz Carlton, and I forget where I was staying at, but it was literally like some rock star party shit, right? Mm -hmm. Cause it was like we so we had this itinerary already laid out already laid out from my travel agent. Right. Right. So, you know, we had these boats booked and this food spot and whatever. And we had like five, six suburbans that like me, Puff, Malik Sealy, you know, and our people rolled in, you know, and everybody else would like that was with us with scooter or cab or right. whatever. Mm -hmm. Dude, everywhere we showed up, it'd be seven hundred people there already. Like the <laughs> like the like the like the itinerary was leaked. Right. So I remember, and it's so funny, you know, how God works sometimes, right? So we wanted, we rented these two big boats, and they were like the pirate boats, you know? So they wasn't like fly yachts and nothing. They were like pirate boats, like, you know, them joints where it's like 300 people get on, and they get a meal and whatever, and you just walk around and drink, and it just goes from the island, and you get off and go to a place and right. come back on, right? Like those little cheap excursion boats. Right. But we took both of them, right? right. So we pull up on the boat, and there's 700 people there. And we're like, yo, what are we going to do with this? 
So I get on the phone and I call and we get another yacht. So we walk on the boat. I used to do this all the time with Puff. We have legendary walk in and walk out um, moments at a zillion parties. So we walked in, then we walked around, then we sat over to the side, then we told all of our main people to leave. Mm -hmm. And then the boat was getting ready to take off and me and Puff just left and got off the boat and the boat left. And everybody, and everybody was drinking and really realized. Y'all sent the 700 on out. And they just left. And then we went over to the yacht and then we took the yacht out on the water and just had like this incredible, incre we had what a Cancun moment. Right. We wasn't having a Bentley moment. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so from that, so everything we did, like people were following. So it, it became like this paparazzi thing. And now don't get me wrong, Malik Sealy was on fire. He was like the heart of New York, NBA basketball player, you know, businessman, fly, you know. I mean, a lot of people don't know his dad used to be security for Malcolm X. You know what I'm oh, saying? Nah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, but not that that really matters, but that matters in how Malik carried himself. Right. He was really charismatic and, and, and you know, a great person, people person. So now we're, you know, I got these two behemoths and we're running around trying to duck people to have our events. Mm -hmm. So the funny thing is the daddy-o night that I had, me and Puff's on the dance floor. I think he might have been dancing with Salt and I was dancing with Pepper. And we were like at Daddy O's. <laughs> party was crazy. Matumbo, Alonzo, party was crazy. Party was crazy. Same same tape thing, because they uh -huh. still hadn't gotten the music oh, you, right. You had the tape. Yeah, we didn't bring no DJ with us. You know, so same tape thing, you know what uh -huh. I'm saying? And um, we bumped into each other and we just like on the dance floor. And we was like, yo. You do this last, next year, I'm with it. You do this next year, I'm with it. Which is basically code for with Puff. Yo, make this happen. I want to be down with this, right? right? So I went back home and I just envisioned, you know, something that was just nuts. And and, <laughs> and we just we pressed the button. So so what was the first year that you did it as a 95. 95. Right. And at that time, where was Freaknik? Um it was kind of no, no. It was popping. Yeah, definitely popping. It was popping. It was popping. It was uh, it wasn't uh, all over the streets and the roads of Atlanta takeover popping. It was still right. Piedmont Park popping. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. It was still okay. kind of because uh, the last it was on was the like tail end of that 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 moment where it turned. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so you you had at this time you had leading up to Memorial Day you had Daytona. Right. Then you had Freaknik. And then Memorial Day was after that, which right. was in May. But they had nothing to do with each other. No, so. they, no, they definitely had nothing to do with each other, but they were all big pieces of the urban landscape. Right. And and basically what Cancun did was take that, what they were doing in those two places, what people kind of organically went to, and put it on steroids. Because, mm. but because see- I'm talking about I from no see that's that we that's we having that age that kind of age moment right now because so when I look at when I look at Daytona and um and what else did you say Freaknik Freaknik you know they're way after when it was really dope college stuff like the real dope dope college stuff was like um the what would they call it that eventually went to Jones Beach, but it started in Brooklyn. Greek uh, Fest? Greek, Greek, Greek Fest, mm -hmm. right? 
and and then Virginia Beach. Like these are monumental. These ain't see see when I look at Daytona and I look at that other stuff. Like those are kind of like MTV era stuff. Nah, that was before MTV. Huh? It was before MTV. You, you, hold up, you understand what you're saying right here? Like you know, realize MTV was playing videos in the '80s, right? No, I'm, I'm just saying as far as MTV Spring Break. All right, but it still kind of lends us. It's like three, four years. It was about right. the same time. About the same, but that was two different things. It was black Daytona, Freakney. That was black shit. MTV was. What are we talking about? We. That's what I'm saying. Even MTV wasn't black shit. I mean, it wasn't black, but all the At artists all. was down there, and it eventually became black during what Daytona. Happened? Eventually became black during the Daytona Beach. No, time. no, that was two different things. MTV Daytona was a totally separate and different thing than the Black Beach Week in Daytona. When MTV woke up. Mm -hmm. No, it was never the same Hold time. Hold on. When MTV woke up, they eventually started sending the crew down to Daytona Black Beach. And they have been, I'm going to tell you how I know 150%. Uh -huh. Because your MTV raps used to send a crew down there. Uh huh. Ted Demi and them used to send a crew down there, and Ed and Dre used to hold the host the concert at the Black Beach Daytona. That was later. That was yeah. that was after you was doing your thing. No, but hold on. Think about Ed and Dre and your MTV raps. Like we got we got to get we got to do this on the timeline. Yeah, we, we got to do it on the timeline because we need a computer. Because I'm I'm from Florida, so Ed and Dre MTV had it was they was nowhere in the. No, I'm not saying they started Daytona. No, I'm just saying they were nowhere in your mindset at all, like. All of the years, because I've I never been to Cancun. Right. I've been to Daytona. I've been to Freaknik. But in all the years we did any of those things, MTV never entered our discussion. They never entered our whole Not MTV mind space. proper. Not but even your MTV raps. Stop. It was just like, I'm just telling you, dog. Stop. It, I think we got it. I, I think I'm telling you. When I, I was, was in Daytona with Ed and Dre. What year was that? The, I don't. Had to be See? like 95, 96. Exactly. That's later. Yeah, but dude, I started Cancun in 95. That's what I'm saying. But but, but let, let's, before we have our little moment, because it's- No, this, this, this is what this the not, conversation but, but is about. But we need to have a whole nother show. No, this you know is what the conversation is about. But, but let's, let's, let's <laughs> keep it really, really, really funky right here. So um, my promoter sense, my big event sense uh -huh. came from- um, jazz festivals, which was, you know, those were the preeminent right. big crazy joints. Um, some of the biggest hip hop parties ever in clubs and venues. Um, you know, Tunnel, mm -hmm. Latin Quarters, Underground, you know, then on the R&B tip, the Red Parrot, Silver Shadow, under, um, Down Under, Bentley's, like I know I'm naming stuff. You no, no, this is this. Let me bring it back. Let me bring, let me bring it back to Florida. Google let me bring, box. Let me bring it back to Florida. No, you ain't got to bring it to Florida. Man. Uh, I, I can Club keep Manhattan. Up. <laughs> you know Club saying? Manhattan. <laughs> let me, <laughs> hey, but but so so I just say all of those names <laughs> to kind of differentiate. You should have said you Luke's put, before you said Manhattan's. All right. <laughs> I agree with that. But but I don't want you to put Cancun and what we did in Cancun in the space of like Daytona Beach and No like, like what I was saying. Because what we hold on. Because what we were doing was right. everybody was making money. Legitimate right. money. Right. Ball players were becoming millionaires. Mm -hmm. Um we had, you know, these clothing moguls. Um we had um Big marketing companies, agencies, music industry cats, and everything that feeds a music industry. So we never really had no place where it wasn't about you working. 
it was just about you letting go. Mm-hmm. Where they respected your dollar over your color. No, what I was what I was trying to say was okay. that in the Let's in the Daytonas. Yourself. No, I'm not even. I don't save have yourself. to say myself. My people know me. It's just show. Exactly. They know what I'll be on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But what I'm trying to say is that Daytona was like an organic event that was happening. You know right. what I'm saying? Freaknik happened. It was a thing. Cancun came and it became professional. It became celebrity. It became brands. It became it was all of these things right. that Daytona and Freaknik weren't. They were right. just wild and young. What y'all were doing in Cancun that made it special, which made it different, which made it, it was at the 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 cusp of the urban marketing era. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was business. It was it was celebrity. It was something big which drew people to it. That right. and that's what I was trying to say is that it was way different than what we already knew. I, I mean, I think I think the real formula of it was. My boys had the gasoline. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you could walk into a record label and have a vision of what you want to do. And you being in urban music, you know, they'll look at you and be like, we don't do that in urban. Right. You know what I'm saying? Which is code word for you make the money, we spend it on the rock side. Right. Exactly. Right. So what happened, what Cancun was is that. I could walk into Demet Guidry's office. I could walk into Michael. Well, he was a SVP at Columbia back okay. then. All right, continue. I could walk into Michael Malden, Jermaine Dupree's, Dupree's dad. dad's office. Um, by this time, my man Lou Tucker was a VP at mm-hmm. Universal. I could walk into all these offices where these guys had budgets, and I could present like, yo, for instance, Nelly, you know, now, I, I never play that game of, you know, somebody owes you or you blew it up. Mm-hmm. But I will say when Nelly came out and he was just, he had, I mean, he had everything. He had the swag. He had the music. He had the, like, the country lyric. Like, he had, mm-hmm. like, this lyric that, you know, as a New Yorker, you could understand. But he, it had some spirit and soul to it. Mm-hmm. Lou Tucker came to me, came to my office, and he was like, yo, Lat, I got this kid, Nelly. I got to light him on fire. He's like, what you got for me? I was like, well, will y'all bring him to Cancun? He's like, damn, I ain't think of that. And he was like, yo, let me think about that. Let me think about that. Then he went left and did something I ain't even think about. He was like, yo, we're going to make water bottles. We're going to do headbands. We're going to do this whole Nelly thing. And I'm like, damn, how's he spending this amount of money for this kid? Mm -hmm. So he sponsored my Wet n' Wild um, um, pool party. It was a day party on Friday. But obviously, like, I rented out, you know, Wet n' Wild. Like, I rented out the amusement park. So, like, 10,000 people, right? (laughs) <laughs> so we had 6,000 people in there. I remember this like it's yesterday, man. So we had some problems getting the water bottles and all the rest of that stuff in, ironically, to have it for this big performance. Mm-hmm. Um, we eventually got it in. So now Nelly goes on stage. No, he doesn't go on stage yet. I'm, I'm telling um, Ed, I'm like, yo, 
and love him. Like, yo, I pull him to the side. like, yo, we got to give this kid all the juice because, you know, Lou stepped up for me and I'm paying you and we got to make this kid seem like a star. I never heard his music or nothing. He got to sound <laughs> like a star. So Ed went out there and did his Ed Lover thing and just kind of was like, yo, da 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 I know some of y'all ain't heard about this kid from St. Louis, but I'm trying to tell you that he is the next, da, 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 you know, the real setup. Mm-hmm. Yo, they dropped that country grammar, and they must have, Nelly and them must have told 700 people from St. Louis to come. They was all <laughs> in the front stage. And I don't know if you remember that dance when they used to yeah. wop back and yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah. Yo, that record dropped. He came out on the stage. Them 700 people started doing them that dance. I ain't even going front. They own Cancun for like those three days because it was wow. it was that unique moment. It was this whole St. Louis thing. They had their own dance. They had their own vibe. They had this whole other thing that was going on, man. Me and Ed looked at each other like within two minutes of him being on stage, like, holy, you know. <laughs> but 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 again, it goes back to like, you know, we just real open-minded cats. We wasn't right. on that New York stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I mean, don't get it wrong, we rep. Right. But we wasn't like nobody else can be dope. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. And he killed that moment. It was so crazy that when he got off stage, I went to his whoever, I forget who Lou had there from the label. And I was like, yo. I got a bullfight. You're going to laugh at this. <laughs> I got a bullfight across town. I need this dude to perform at the bullfight. And they was like, you having performances at a bullfight? I'm like, yeah, I got to perform. I had Donnell Jones at a bullfight <laughs> in downtown Cancun. Yes, we did 5,000 people at a bullfight with artists. It was crazy. And I hopped him, I put him in like two Suburbans, and we ran over there, and he performed before Donnell Jones came out. But he owned... He owned the clubs. They had the dance. Everybody's trying to figure out the dance during the day so they could rock it at Daddy O's oh, wow. at night. No, it was a it was a hell of a moment. And then the rest is history. By the time he got home, he was he yeah, was Nelly. He was Nelly, no doubt. So <clears throat> now that was Cancun, right? But you also had a, a whole other life in product placement, oh, of course. That you know, kind of put some of the styles that we all know. That right. was in hip hop, the hip hop lexicon right. that started from you putting those products on those artists. Right. So, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know what I'm saying, that part of your business? All right. So, on, ironically, African American College Alliance, the brand that I own now, right. was previously owned by Mark Van Grack. And a lot of people didn't know that. A lot of people thought I owned it back in the day. Right. Um, but the brand was actually white owned right. by Mark Van Grack. Um, who's a cool dude? I want to make it feel like some culture vulture stuff. Um, but why would he start a company called? Well, he didn't start it. Oh, like that. Okay. So what happened was he had a a retail store called Snyder's in D.C. The real D.C. heads remember that. He had about eight stores. One of his stores was down the block from Howard University. Mm-hmm. This is at the this is in the starter era. Mm-hmm. So starter was everywhere. Everybody was wearing starter. You know. This is Brenda's bedroom time and all that. You know, right. everybody's wearing starter. So what happened was um, some kids from Howard came down to his store and was like, yo, how are you like literally four doors down from our college and you don't have Howard University anything in it? Mm. And he couldn't find a place to buy Howard University anything. 
So he made a Howard University crew neck t-shirt, put on a wall and <laughs> and sold it until licensing came down and said, hey, you got to pay us for that. You know, and he didn't do it to kind of rob anybody. He was right. just, well, I mean, I'm sure he's he, trying to serve. I'm sure, well, 50 50. I mean, he wasn't trying to rob anybody. He was trying to service people, but I'm sure he knew he had to He get knew he had to pay, right, but he was right. just like, fuck it, right. let's get it. Well, yeah, he's probably more like, I'm going to put the 10% here till I don't even know who the hell to pay. They probably, right. if you called, they probably didn't know, you know, right. back then. Right. So, um, you know, the brand blew up and then he created the patch for it. And then so. Fast forward here, I come walking in his office one day. And you were where? You were in New York or you were in So I was in DC? New York. He was in DC. I was uh, in New York. My girlfriend at the time, uh, Jackie Resto, used to work for Ralph McDaniels mm -hmm. and uh, Lionel Martin at, at um, Classic Concepts Videos. Right. So he sent some clothes up, couldn't get it placed, called me. Uh, my girlfriend brought some clothes home. I thought it was dope. He called her, said, I need somebody to do product placement. She called me. I told her, tell him you know somebody that's real busy right now, but he might be able to do it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm getting unemployment check. <laughs> I go down to D.C. I meet with him. He, pay, he agrees to pay me $35,000 a year. But I told him I can't do it because I can't compete with music industry cats unless you give me an expense account. Right. So he gave me $10,000 a month expense account and gave me an Amex card. Mm-hmm. In February '92, remember like it was yesterday. Good God! So when young, I started, young black man with an Amex. Young black man with an Amex. <laughs> so when I started with him, um, I didn't have any marketing budget. I just had his expense account. Right. So what I would do was, I'd run around and pay for everybody's meal and their bar tabs and whatever on this expense account. And I'm talking like not everybody. I'm talking like Russell, <laughs> Andre. And I would, we'd all be at the Shark Russell Bar. Russell Simmons. Yes. Andre Harrell. Yes. And the world famous Shark Bar. Right. So we'd be at the Shark Bar and I'd just keep paying the bill and I would just tell him to tell him Chris Latimer paid it. It was mm -hmm. like my marketing campaign, right? right? right. So Chris, I never walked Chris up to the Latimer table. Chris paid it. Right. I never walked up to the table and nothing until eventually, you know, mm -hmm. after about a month or two of doing that, I walked over to the table and then they opened up, you know, and let me put apparel on all of their right. um, artists, you know. Right. Andre obviously dressed crazy, but I mean, you know, not crazy, but he dressed differently. Like fly, fly guy, like fly guy, right, right, suits right. and shit, right. And 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 Russell was was you know, hood. This this is this is kind of semi hood. Russell is before he went right. into polo. Russell, right. you know right. what I'm saying? And uh, he'd wear uh, AACA um, all the time. You know, obviously Def Comedy Jam. Right. That's what I was about right. to say. This right. is Def Comedy Jam Def, era. Def Comedy Jam. And ironically, he wore it in the cover of Black Enterprise in 92. Mm. Um, so, And that's all for you moving around at the Shark Bar, which was a legendary institution. No question. Continue. All we had. No doubt. You know, Shark Bar, Sylvia's, I forget this other spot downtown. Um, there was two spots. I, I, I can't remember. They'll come to Copeland's, a few other spots. So anyway, so I blew up AACA. From February to August, I took the brand from 600000 in sales to $6 million just in product placement. Mm. And um, started getting noticed by, like, you know, the two Carls at Cross Colors. Right. Um, and Carl Kanai. This is before he did his deal so with it was Cross three Colors. Carl, three Carls? Yeah, three Carls. Two Carls at Cross Colors right. and Carl Kanai? Right. That's crazy. Right. But continue. And 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 uh, April Walker, right? Um, with uh, Walkerware, right? And I was real 
cool with God bless the dead, Jam Master J. So that was like the little collective click. So I was going, so so they were trying to launch their lines, mm-hmm. but I, I, I turned it into more of like a business because I didn't have a line. I was just the marketing guy, ACA. Right. So I started The Streets, which was my company, The Streets Inc. And we did product placement. So I'd go around the magic show and go to brands and have them pay me ten to $20,000 a month to put their product all over, you know, magazines, vi- mm-hmm. hip-hop videos, what have you. And, and it worked. You had it everywhere. Oh, I mean, it worked to the point that MTV still blurs out the logos because of me. So you you were the first one with the blur out. Yeah. Now, see, guys, you everybody listening, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're on the bubble. You're trying to figure shit out. You know what I'm saying? This is like real practical ass information that you can use in your hustle and your bubble. Right. Continue. Right. So 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 I started off there with ACA um, and you know well the big elephant in the room obviously African American colleges alliance is owned by a white man. It doesn't bother me because my vision and again, me thinking inclusively, it was bigger than him. Right. And it was bigger than me. Right. It was like, how can I promote these African American, I mean, these historical black colleges and universities, these schools that, this school that changed my life, changed mm-hmm. who I am as a man, right. you know, 150%. Because I'd have probably been in jail after my senior year if I wouldn't have went to Howard Homecoming that, all, that October. In but, high school. In high school. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know me promote it was just this whole fanfare because every artist would wear it every artist wanted to contribute it was like this big moment it was like you know i got this style like they were walking out of trailers with clothes and i'd come pull up and they'd take the hoodie off and put on whatever i had like you know stylists first they hate me hated me because i would just come and kamikaze ruin, ruin their not ruin look. but i'd kamikaze they their shit and right. then eventually the dope ones you know started giving me love and then you've seen it everywhere so uh, it created a business for me. So right. I started, I did a product placement for East Pack Backpacks. I did a product placement for the whole Above the Rim moment at mm-hmm. Reebok. Um, the hockey joints. Yeah, I was getting to that. All right. My so, bad. My so, bad. No, nah, no, nah, it's all I good. I got excited. Yeah, but no, but there's other things that people don't know that I did. Like Go I ahead. blew up the Negro League Baseball. Right. Um, I remember that. In, I remember in that. the mid-90s. Uh-huh. Like blew that up. You know, with the help of MC Light mm-hmm. and Martin and 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 Will Smith, like mm-hmm. really blew that up. Right. Um, and then, um, I mean, obviously we did the tie top hat, the beanie thing. You was, did that too. Well, yeah, because that who, was what company was that? That was ACA. Okay, okay. I didn't, I didn't yeah, know yeah. who did. No, that they hat. meet. They made the beanie, uh-huh. and then I started placing it on like cool cats, right? right. So it was like a hat that was like da dun da da. Mm-hmm. But then when the right swag cat started wearing it, like Redman, so a- ACA had the top hat. Yeah, they did those. Okay, I didn't yeah. know who started that. Yeah, they did those, and then Cross Colors did them. Okay, cool, cool. cool. And then Carl Kanai just took it to it, like oh a yeah, that, Ralph Lauren yeah, level. Carl Kanai with the did metal have, plate yeah, and yeah, the whole yeah, nine. Yeah. He like took it somewhere <laughs> else, you know. But but that's the game. Um, so so then so now I'm blowing up everybody's clothing line, and. Um, I built a relationship with Rob Strausser. Now a lot of people don't know who Rob Strausser is. Nope. They more like no more like they know Peter Moore. I don't know either. You don't know who Peter Moore is? No. So Peter Moore is Jordan. Like he is the guy that's he's the visionary of Jordan. These are the guys like that brand lead. Jordan. Yes, these are the guys that launched Jordan. Okay. 
but Rob Strausser was the bulldog. Mm -hmm. Peter Moore was like the guy that would like be in the office at 2 a.m. in the morning and work till 9. And when the staff came in, he looked at everybody. He's like, yeah, you guys are too hectic. I'm out. Right. Like super creative, game changer, brains, super guy. Take notes, people. Yeah. Rob Strausser was the bulldog. He was the guy that would go out for a week and come back and be like, yeah, I sold $25 million worth of footwear. Like he just, he was that guy. Okay. So Mark Van Grack introduced me to him. Mm -hmm. And he just thought it was amazing that I built this base out of my relationships where I could get anybody on the phone and I could send them product and I didn't even have to be on the set anywhere in the country and a product would show up. Wow. And then how like Will Smith and and Martin and them guys would be checking their stylists like why I don't have ACA and you know right and so, they were definitely rocking that shit oh no question so Rob Strausser at the time him and Peter Moore was bringing Adidas USA to the table to 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 America they were launching that mm-hmm. so we were in um, we were walking the show at the the apparel show at the McCormick Center and he was walking me around to all these brands and then I met. American Needle Baseball Hats, uh, Robert Cronenberger, who's like, you know, family business since the nineteen eleven since nineteen eleven, American Needle. Mm-hmm. He became a client. Mm-hmm. Um, two year contract, ten thousand a month, less rock. So give you a little history lesson, tie some things together. <laughs> so the world famous Tupac picture with the White Sox hat, I put that hat on Tupac, and that is an American Needle. Blockhead hat. <coughs> Are you gonna choke no, over what, that one? No, what, <laughs> what the fuck? I was about to ask you, what pitch? What, what is this? What did? What else did he have on in this picture so they could get a? Uh, uh, he, I think he had on like a striped cross color shirt. This is okay. when he was driving the post office truck and with Janet and, Jackson and, and, and in the movie, going, right? In the movie. So in the movie with the hat. Okay. Right. All right. No, no. Now. But if you look, if you if you Google Tupac right now, mm-hmm. like I guarantee that shot comes up in the top ten to twenty. Yes, it's there. It's right here. We're looking at it right now. <laughs> right. Matt found it. Right. And Matt you know what I'm saying? And Matt is and the that man. was just off of, yeah. So that's the, you Matt right. is the man. There it is. White Sox, Tupac, Mail Truck, right. Janet Jackson. Right. Famous blockhead hat from American Needle, mm-hmm. right? John Singleton had a great relationship with him. Um, and he would make sure every stylist looked at whatever I had and uh and, and make sure that at least goes into the camper. Right. And then it's my job to get the artist to wear it. Right. And ironically, in that scene, you know, that was 70% of the movie and Tupac never took the hat off. Right. And it was like a game changer. So that so now you see why right. MTV blurred me, right? Because right. if I get a, if I get 75% of a movie with a hat, mm-hmm. how do you equivalent that to a 30-second, one-minute, 15-second commercial? You can't, right. It's impossible. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's that's a lot. Right. So 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 anyway, backtrack. I'm walking the show with Rob Strauss. So I meet the American Needle guys. The American Needle guys have the CCM hockey jersey license. Mm-hmm. And so and uh, so and this, this is a big story, y'all. Right. So, no, this is so a huge. Stay, story. stay with us. No, this is a huge story. So one thing we used to do back in the day with Mitchell and Ness, you know, like. We started, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like the cool cats from Brooklyn, the cool cats from Harlem, the cool cats from Uptown, mm-hmm. started the whole 
sportswear movement, right? But then it got corny when Starter kind of mass marketed it, right? Mm -hmm. So we used to we used to leave clubs in New York and go down to Michelin Ness mm -hmm. at like seven in the morning and make them open the store for us. Right. <laughs> no, no, real shit. And then um, I remember like it was yesterday, you know, Puff went in there and he found this sweater hockey jersey that was like some old school authentic hockey jersey and they wanted to charge him like $600 for it. It was like, mm -hmm. he didn't give a fuck about the name that was on it, right? Mm -hmm. Just like, uh, I forget the hockey player's name. Just the motif was mm -hmm. dope. So he bought that joint out, you know, I'm side-eyeing, peeking it out and I'm like, oh. So then I bought a couple of hockey jerseys too, but I wasn't spending 700, but I right. bought a couple of hockey jerseys. So we should just wear these because it went, everybody's wearing everything baggy anyway, right? So these right. things like naturally fit. So I'm walking the show and I'm in the American Needle booth and the CCM guys walk in. And he's like, I want you to meet somebody. So I talk to the guy and I'm like, yo, I could change your business. <laughs> and he was like, you could do what? You know, he's a Canadian dude, right? So I'm like, I could change your business. And he's like, what do you mean you could change my business? And I'm like, you know, I could do something revolutionary in your business. I do product placement. I do it for him. Robert, have I changed your business? No question, Chris. I was like, I could change your business. And he's like, well, how can you change my business? I was like, well, I'm not going to tell you how. But if I can get you guys a real movement in the urban market, all I want, $20,000 a month, right? That shit went up from 10 to 20. It was going there anyway. No doubt. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All I want is 20000 a month, two-year contract, and I'll change this. I'll change, I'll change the way you guys do business. I said, send me three jerseys. So you send me three jerseys. They sent me two New Jersey Devils jerseys, and they sent me – no, they sent me four. Two New Jersey Devils jerseys. I was in their catalog. I picked out a Springfield Indians jersey, and they sent me the Pittsburgh um, Penguins jersey, mm -hmm. right? Now, the reason I picked out the Pittsburgh Penguin and, and the Indians jersey is because if you really look at Snoop, mm -hmm. he looks like an Indian, mm -hmm. and they were getting ready to shoot gin and juice. Right. And I knew I had carte blanche, you know, in that video. So... Um, they sent me the they sent me the four jerseys. I put the first New Jersey Devil piece on um, on um, God bless the dead Fife. I forget the video he wore, and it's the one where they're running up the block and everybody's chasing the truck and all that. And he's got a New Jersey Devils mm -hmm. jersey. I forget the name of the video, um, but 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 he was the starter originator. Like right. you know what I'm saying? Of the hockey jersey? No, no, no. Oh, Just starter. Starter. Right. He right, was. Right. Right, right. He rocked, and started. he was about his business. Right. So when I, when I, when I, got, once I got his approval, mm -hmm. it was like it. That was the bubble. This is before I went, right, Hollywood with it. The next person I placed was um, Queen Latifah. I had a great relationship with her and Shaquem. They always gave me love with what I did business wise, and I always blessed their artists. And she was doing Living Single, mm -hmm. and I put. I think her um, magazine was called Flavor Magazine in right. the show. So I took the hockey jersey down to Crosby's. Uh, you might not know about this. I, I don't, but you know, Crosby's what I'm on. Crosby's on. It was inside Madison Square Garden. They used to put the applique letters on the back of your basketball jerseys, oh, wow. football jerseys, okay. whatever you want. So I went in there, 
and I made these jerseys. I had to guarantee the placement, right? I'm trying to pitch this deal. Mm-hmm. So I, you know. So put, these are the four jerseys that you had. Yeah, I put Fife on the back of mm-hmm. Fife's joint. I remember him. that shit. I did flavor on the back of Latifah's joint, mm-hmm. New Jersey Devils. I put, I think I put Snoop Dogg on the back. I, no, no, I put Gin and Juice on the back of the Pittsburgh. Uh, Penguins jersey. Yeah, already a Pittsburgh. And I don't man. know what I'd put on the back of the Springfield Indians jersey. So if you look at the Gin and Juice video, when it starts off, you know, he's in Cali. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Sitting on the bike, handlebars. Yeah. What the fuck is he doing riding up the block with a hockey jersey on? Just being Snoop. We don't know shit. Right. All you, we know you, is that's Snoop Dogg. You know nothing. And Snoop had love for me. I love him dearly to this day. Whatever I bought him, he trusted me and he rocked it. He rocked that shit. He rocked it. He really rocked it. That's the one I remember. Like when you first saw it, it was like, oh, this motherfucker got on a hockey jersey. Right. Right. And then he he also rocked it. You remember in the scene when he says, everybody got their cups, but they ain't chipping? And he yeah. backs up. He's mm-hmm. got on their Springfield Indians jersey. So he rocked two That jersey ones. sold out in Springfield. They didn't know what the fuck happened. It's like a minor league hockey team. They didn't know what the fuck happened. That shit just, whoop. <laughs> like no jerseys nowhere for nobody no fans sold right. out like immediately damn yeah so then long so i call i get on so so ccm calls me and i'm on this conference call and i'm 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 in my apartment in brooklyn on uh 372 decal in the clinton muse across from pratt mm-hmm. and i'm on the phone conferencing with these dudes and there's like 30 people in the room. And then some of them are talking French and some of them are talking with a French accent. And the guy really asked me, what do you want? After mm-hmm. those placements, what mm-hmm. do you, he, he asked me, what do you want? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, I want my normal retainer, $20,000 a month, mm-hmm. plus expenses. You pay for all the shipping. But I also told him, and this was real revolutionary for the time, I was like, I want exclusivity in urban retailers, and I want to have my own black sales force sell a product in. Mm. And they signed an agreement and agreed to it, 150%. And where you got the sales force? I already had, you know, I'm dealing with every dope black salesman in the country, in Hispanic, because I'm making all of the money. I'm telling them what I'm about to blow up, and they know what to sell in before, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So I got relationships with these guys, and they helping me too, you know what I'm saying? Information-wise. And uh, so a funny story with that is what the older salesmen started doing, they would write fake orders <laughs> so that they would pull all the product out. <laughs> and like when my guys went to like a Dr. J's and selling the product, mm-hmm. they couldn't ship them. Oh, we got three jerseys. Right. Meanwhile, this guy wrote an order for like $4,000, 4,000 pieces to a fake store. Right. Dr. J's wants 2,000. It's on fire in the city. And the kids weren't wearing the replicas. It was They were only wearing the real jersey with the strap in the back. Yeah, because that's what, that's what we do. Right. We don't fuck around. Exactly, exactly. And then what would happen is after the retailer for two months couldn't get the, the product, the other sales guy would come around the circle and then go in and sell it in. Nah, and kind of nah. diverted the whole thing. But it was nah. a re- revolutionary thought. I mean, nah, yeah, I mean a little traction with nah, it. Now, you, you, you made shit happen and you moved the culture. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to take, we're going to go back to Howard for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Issa Rae, who you know does Insecure, no and question. She's a the leader of a cultural movement right now, and she said something the other day, which some shit I've been saying for a long time. Um, she basically said instead of you networking up a lot of times, a lot of it is networking with your peers. Right. And you went to Howard University during a time where a lot of your peers, you all kind of networked together and worked together. So it was like Puff, D-Dot, uh, shit, a whole bunch of motherfuckers. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like let, The Murray sisters, you know Chris Wilder. Yeah, it goes. So let's, let's talk about your era at Howard and the people that were there and, you know, how you guys all kind of worked together and made, you know, that 90s movement kind of go. Man. Um, so, so you know, I think there's like three big pieces of, of going to Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's, it's, it's the uh, esteem of going to Howard, you mm-hmm. know, with it being the Mecca. It's this arrive moment. So I kind of think, not that you get the best of the best, you know what I'm saying? But I think that you get like an elite um, group of people. And mm-hmm. by elite, I don't mean that they're all, you know, they're aristocratic or there's all the Jack and Jill people. But I think it's like, you know, it's like me. Some cat from the hood is Puff, you know, some dude that, you know, his mom is focused right to change his life. But his pop was that, that motherfucker, mm-hmm. you know, in the streets, you know. It was um, it was like you know my bat my boy Matt Middleton who had great you know West Indian fam you know family mm-hmm. roots, so once you start melting all those people in place and you kind of bring together the elite of their children, the 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 pot the gumbo pot is nuts right mm-hmm. because <clears throat> there's levels of respect for uh, Caribbean culture and African culture and and there's revolutionists and there's you know. There's women, there's girls that you know went to white prep schools their whole life, and mm-hmm. you know, and now you get all this different influence coming in, and um, and then we had this common thread, which was like you went to Howard, and like that was bigger than any sorority or fraternity, you know. Right. So I think that was like you know that big that that melting pot and that thread of Howard that held us together, mm-hmm. which you know. Fast forward in the business and the music industry and whatever, when you got an opportunity, that's who you call them first. Because you know they're like-minded like you, they get down like you, they was raised in the program like you for the four years, and that they're connected and networked. And if they tell you they're going to do something, nine times out of ten, it's like you calling your boy in the hood that you know is about that business. But right. here we are, college graduates, what have you, what have you. Right. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing, I think, is is where it's located. Like, you have to really navigate life on Georgia Avenue in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of cats don't know. Like, the real cats out there in D.C. hate New York cats. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, have a thing for New York cats. And then it was like a weird place, too, because a, a, a lot of dope things came out of D.C. that they probably don't get credit for. Right. Like, you know, like Grand Puba wore colors, right? Vibrant colors and polo. On a, D.C. cats wore colors like they everybody wore colors there wasn't a pied piper of colors like you know they wore colors the four by four i don't care what nobody say we was driving wranglers in new york they was driving pathfinders that looked like mad max Mm -hmm. in dc 
Right. The Sequoias, the on you know, right. the, they blew up the whole, you know what I'm saying? So you had this whole cultural thing going on down there, plus it's in the middle of the government and what have you. So to navigate that was, was kind of crazy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and to be able to navigate it, I think kind of put something in your spirit and your soul to make you, you know, who you are. And then I think the last thing was, we were very segregated at Howard. Like there was the Cali crew and the Philly crew and da 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 da. da. Mm-hmm. But when we came together, you know, it was like it was like this family. And if you were really smart, you can go learn everything about Philly and how they move and how they get down. You go to Cali. Mm-hmm. Now you see how this connects to how through parties, right? And you can right, go over no, here no, to the reggae real. joints and you come over here and you can just get all that connection. So when we left school, mm-hmm. we had all of this camaraderie and it was like you know, th- there's a there's a Facebook page called Bison Bison's Helping Bison's, uh-huh. and you could literally like post, "Yo, I just opened up a Shopify store. I need a Shopify expert to uh, help me set up my back end and my analytics." Mm-hmm. And people will tag like seventy people, and it's all Howard people. Right. What other resource are you using after that? No, nah, no doubt, no doubt. You know what I'm saying? And um, so when we got into the music game, I mean, we just kind of took that to a whole nother level. And and being, again, being in DC and being open to so many kinds of different music, you know, I think that's what really lended to like the whole Howard University music industry takeover of the 90s, because it was crazy. Yeah, no doubt. That's that's what I'm saying. That music industry takeover, it was a lot of cats from Howard, you know what I'm saying, in that space, 90s, early 2000s, that you know, pushed it through. Right. And they were all your peers. You were all doing business together. And, you know, from being from a New York perspective, looking at it in New York, when you see it, it's like, okay, that's 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 their crew working right. together. Right. And I think what Issa was trying to say was that no matter where you at, you know what I'm saying, that's the case. The most important people are the ones that are working, walking right alongside of you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Same thing at FAMU. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, well, a little bit. Y'all ain't really all the way there. Listen, man, we, we, we got some motherfuckers, man. <laughs> y'all, yeah, y'all. I mean, uh, listen, listen, I'm I'm pleasantly listen. surprised. Y'all got some dudes. Like, I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm, just, not hold just, on, I'm not even going front. Like, I genuinely like you. You feel like a Howard dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My man Keith Cleanskill, he feels like a Howard dude. Right, right. You know, Lynn Burnett, he feels like half a Howard. Nah, nah. I love you, Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's the same type of thing where, you know, you got guys that work together. So right. like. But y'all ain't like us. Don't don't do no, it. No, I'm not saying that we not yeah. like y'all. But as far as peers working with peers, let's right. not make this an HBCU thing. You know we how we do. But you know, as far as peers helping peers, as far as the people who are listening and right. they and they they're walking with a crew, right? And a lot of times people want to network up and they right. want to get the guys that they see on TV, right? But the most important people are the ones walking right next to you, trying to do the same type of thing. You know what my motto is, you know, and this is before I even bought AACA two years ago and relaunched it. You know, I coach youth football in my community in White Plains. And my thing was to the kids that we placed in prep schools and Mm -hmm. Catholic schools and all that from our team that was inner city um, was, listen, do not let your, and and I'm not being anti-PWI here, Mm -hmm. but do not do not send your high school student to any other school 
but a HBCU if they're African American. Do not do that because you will be disturbing their potential of having the biggest network exactly. in the world. Exactly. I got off a plane in Johannesburg. I posted before I took off. When I landed, I had 75 people to reach out to that guided me through. I could just think about the the money I would have wasted, the time I would have wasted, the wrong places I would have went to, the, the food I would have missed, the culture I would have missed. Mm -hmm. But because of that network, I can do that. Now, don't get me wrong. Listen, I get it. You know, you come, you want to have Harvard and all the rest of these schools on your, you know, and depending on what you're trying to, who you're trying to be, Parsons and all the rest of that, right. definitely get them on your resume. But let that be your master's program. That's when it matters, right? right? But undergrad, man, you've got to have an historical black college or university experience. It is mandatory. It is right, mandatory, right, right, right. man. No doubt. No I doubt. mean, you know, I ain't even going to talk about the other side of it that it helps you out. It like... God forbid you get off a plane and you know you have an issue with a. I mean, I've used it at every aspect. I've had mm -hmm. issues with an officer in Chicago and you know and made a phone call and got a phone call to a phone call to a phone call and was cool. Right. I mean, you know, and that's and that's how it's it the goes. Biggest tool your, ever. Your man. peer set is your biggest networking source, and that's what I'm trying to get at. You know what I'm saying? But <clears throat> you know, we are here. We here. We are in the conversation. Chris Latt, let them know where you at, what you got going. Oh, man. I don't really like to sell things, man. I still like to do my um, what? my organic organic movement. But right now, um, I got African American College Alliance um, that I'm doing right now. It's uh, my passion project, you know, how everybody tells you, you know, find a job that you're passionate, find a career that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. Like I'm passionate about spreading the information of historical black colleges to our youth and uh, getting them the props that they deserve um, and acknowledging some of the great minds that went to them um, and contributing to that. Um, and that's kind of like my major, major thing right now. I've got a couple other, you know, fires on, I mean, irons on the fire, but I won't get into too many. put them out there too. Too, too, too premature. Too I got one thing, one one big athletic branding move that I'm about to do that's, that's uh you know, I just got the deal done. It's about to be really sick. Okay, great. Yeah. So, but you can find them at the Instagram at I am Chris. Oh Lott. man, I don't do all that. Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I ain't my, my Instagram and my Facebook and all that is for my family and my friends. And not that I'm not into new friends, mm -hmm. but I'm not. That ain't no mirror into my no, life. No, I don't no, want to, no, I ain't no, want no, you to you know, see just, me. We, we and just, find we just me. let them know where yeah, you yeah, at. Do your Cause, thing because they gonna, they gonna be on the Google box. You yeah, know what I'm saying? After this, good. we've been talking an hour and thirty minutes. They, yeah. they gonna look this shit up, man. Yeah, all man. of this shit when we talk about, they own it, man. Right. And they need to be on it because they need to know. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of this shit is a blueprint. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. they can use. And a lot of things that you talked about is a blueprint that they could use in their whatever they're working on and the groups that they're working with. They know cats that are, are popping where they're at, you know what I'm saying, and listen to somebody that, that utilized their resources and the people that they were around, you know what I'm saying, 
the next generation needs to do that as well. Oh, no question. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how it works. You know what I mean? That that's 150 percent how it works. So you know? so that's that's what I'm selling here. So I'm not I'm not trying to put you on blast for everybody to follow you for for that point, but right. you know, just for the reference. That's all good. You know I mean, I get it for the footnote. But, but I'm just trying to keep it a hundred because like. You know, you might go to my Facebook page and find a whole nother brother that you yeah, ain't. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We, that's, we not worried that's about home. that. We not worried about that. They, they no, I'm not worried about it yeah. either, but I'm just saying like, you know. They look at mine, they might not see shit, but right. they know who I am. You right. know what I'm saying? They with me every week. Right. You know what I'm saying? They don't see what I say. Right. You know? But it is what it is. And, you know, where I'm going to be, where the fuck I'm going to be? Shit, I was in Miami uh, this weekend at home. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Celebrate my homeness. I'm saying, Miami at home. What you mean? Was, I'm from uh, at the house. Yeah, I was at the All right. house. You said home. The crib. I don't know if that means fam. You the crib. Uh, you know, even though fam, you fam obviously you, is fam, not in Miami. I know. Yeah, fam, you homecoming yeah, was this weekend. Oh, all right. And all I right. missed it because I was shooting in Miami. Then I had to shoot to Charlotte to right. shoot there. So I missed homecoming. I don't miss my home. I know, and I actually might make your homecoming. So that's that's a that's some irony. Yeah. But you know, it's not really because I'm honorary, and I, I've done some things at your homecoming that okay. that increased the culture. You know what I'm saying? So we, you know, it's all good. So I celebrate all of them. You know what I'm saying? But um, where am I going to be? I'm going to be in LA next. So you catch me in LA on the 26th, and then I'll be right back here next week. In the conversation, you know what I'm saying? I'm home alone again next week, so I have somebody else special coming through and giving you dropping some knowledge. So y'all check us out at uh you know the Facebook page in the conversation. You can check me out at Mr. Muhammad on Instagram at Thorough TV on the snap. And until then, tell a friend to tell a friend and even the enemy to get in the conversation. Definitely tell the enemies in the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. of it all is to be in the conversation conversation